Introducing Bluehost Cloud, ultra-fast WordPress hosting with 100% uptime. Want a website with unmatched power, speed, and control? Of course you do. And now you can have all three with Bluehost Cloud, the new web hosting plan from Bluehost. With 100% uptime and incredibly speedy load times, your WordPress websites will be dependable and lightning fast on a global scale. Plus, your sites can handle even the biggest traffic spikes without going down or lagging. And with Bluehost Cloud, you get 24-7 WordPress priority support, meaning you're connected to WordPress experts anytime you need them. Not to mention, you automatically get daily backups and world-class security. So, what are you waiting for? Get Bluehost Cloud today by visiting bluehost.com. That's bluehost.com. Hello and welcome to the Money Nerds podcast, where owning a calculator, budgeting your money, and having a net worth is actually cool. I'm your host, Whitney Hansen, and each week I'll be chatting with inspiring people to learn their secrets to financial success. Now let's dive into the show. I was doing my usual Instagram morning scroll when I came across these absolutely stunning tree houses. Now these tree houses were incredible. They were high in the sky. They were truly a tree house, not just something that was really tall. They were actually built into the trees and it was so incredible. So I started doing a little Insta stalking as, as we do. And I came across this gorgeous Instagram account called Canopy Crew. If you've seen this Instagram, you know exactly what I'm talking about. They are absolutely incredible. There's even a cliff house as well. It's really a cool, cool place. Now I haven't stayed there myself, but I was was fortunate enough to talk with the founder of Canopy Crew on today's episode. So I'm really excited to share with you guys a little bit more into that conversation. But before I do, I have to share a really great money win. This money win comes from Holly. Holly said, six years of slamming our loans is starting to pay off. It's been an exhausting journey. I used to put more than half my income towards my loans every month, and I used to feel guilty for bar- buying myself clothes. I drove my last two cars until they broke down, literally, and I only gave myself $100 a month for fun spending. in loans combined between my husband and I when we graduated in 2014. Now we only have $10,000 left to go. Hashtag money win. Holly, you are killing it. Congratulations. That is so inspiring and so incredible. And I just wanted to publicly shout you out because you are working your butt off. And I know sometimes it's really difficult to stay motivated for six years to drive those crappy cars, to only give yourself $100 a month for fun money. I get it. But man, it's paying off and I'm so crazy proud of you. So congratulations to you on your money win, my friend. I am definitely popping a bottle of champagne on your behalf the minute you pay off all of that debt. That's so incredible. Don't forget, if you want to share your money wins with me, I will celebrate louder than almost anybody. I think this stuff is so, so cool, and I would love to cheer you on. Tag me on Instagram. I'm at Whitney underscore Hanson underscore co, and I will totally celebrate with you. So make sure you share your money wins with me on Instagram as well. All right, let's talk about today's guest. Today's guest, Django Croner. He moved to the Red River Gorge when he was 19 years old to pursue rock climbing. He was apprenticing with a timber frame cabin builder and ended up building a treehouse 45 feet in the air that he lived in for three years. As he lived there, he started to see how his treehouse was inspiring people. Like legit, picture yourself being in a treehouse and overhearing people talk about how cool that is. That's when he realized that he needed to share the canopy experience with everyone, and that's when he decided to start the Canopy Crew. Since that day, he's been dedicated to life in the trees. 
So here's what you're going to learn in this episode. We start to talk about how Django became interested in rock climbing, tree climbing, and even tree houses, strategies for building tree houses that keep the trees healthy, living in a tree house for three years, and eventually deciding to take his tree house to the next level, starting the Canopy Crew Tree Care and Tree House Building Company, building a geodome up in the air. This was kind of a new thing, too. I think it's a really cool thing. He calls it Dome Town. It's really awesome. Building fully functional running water tree houses versus building remote tree houses. We talk about some of the pros and cons there. The complexity of building a cliff house in the Red River Gorge. This cliff house, you have to go check out his Instagram. It's really, really cool and it's very high up. And I can only imagine the complexity that would go into building that. We talk about how the Canopy Crew helps other people with the legal side of tree housing, the permitting process, all that stuff can be really kind of tricky how Django prices his tree houses. I think this is a really interesting thing too. He likes to make it very uh, approachable for everybody and growing pains he experienced while starting his business. This was such a fun conversation. If anything, I hope it inspires you to see how you can maybe rethink real estate investing in a slightly different way. Guys, I am so excited to introduce you to my friend Django Kroner from Canopy Crew. Let's go ahead and dive in. Hey guys, welcome back to another episode. Today I am joined by one person that has inspired the heck out of me with his imagination, Django Kroner. Thank you so much for hanging out. Yeah, thanks for having me. How I, are you doing today? I'm doing so good, man. I get to chat with you. We get to talk about tree houses. I love everything that you're up to with the Canopy Crew. So take us back a little ways. How did you first envision this idea of creating a tree house? Yeah. So, I mean, honestly, I think it pretty much goes back to the very beginning for me. I've always enjoyed playing outside when I was a little kid and I got really into climbing trees and any type of unique home, whether it was built by an animal or a person or I saw it in a a storybook, like that always really got my imagination going. Mm So tree houses were something that was always, were always on my radar. Um, I think probably the first introduction was the Ewok village from Star Wars. But, you know, I, I started to spend a whole lot of time in trees kind of in high school and uh, mostly just because I enjoyed climbing them. You know, so that's always just had a, a spot in my heart. Ultimately, that tree climbing turned into a rock climbing passion for me, which led me to move to the Red River Gorge in Kentucky, which is a, a rock climbing area. So I was I was living down there, kind of trying to rock climb full time. And I was working part time apprenticing with a timber frame cabin builder. Mm. And we kind of had a work trade set up. So I was living in a tent uh, back in the woods on his property. And I was content to do that. But after six months or so, it, it just kind of got a little bit sloppy with, with you know, it's it's very humid, wet area. And I, uh, I was looking up at the trees and they were blowing in the wind and they looked so dry and, and peaceful up there. And the idea just kind of popped in my head like, well, you know, I, I now have some carpentry skills and I know how to climb. And I had a little bit of rigging from rock climbing. So I said, I could build a tree house. And I, and I asked... Aaron, the guy I was working for, and he said, go for it. So you're just like laying in a tent, looking out the the window of the tent and thinking, I should just build a tree house. Basically, yeah. That's incredible. How old were you at that time, roughly? Uh, 19. Dude, you were just a baby. Yeah. (laughs) That is 
amazing and not what I was thinking about at 19 years old. So <laughs> I kind of love that. Yeah, it's, uh, I think treehouses in general require a little bit of that um, youthful arrogance of like not knowing how hard things are. So I'm glad that I got started then. I love that. Okay, so fun fact, I started taking rock climbing classes and I'm terrified of heights. Like legit pee my pants when I get too high, like I'm terrified. And I started rock climbing as a way to kind of, you know, deal with all this like fear around heights and remind myself that it's irrational. And it's one of those things where I'm always so curious, are rock climbers, especially to your level, are you actually scared of heights or do you just learn to suppress that? Or is there, is there truly no fear there? I love heights. I, do you? I mean, I, I oftentimes feel more comfortable high up off the ground than on the ground just because like nothing can get you, you know? And, uh, I think, you know, the key there is just learning to trust the gear, but after, you know, some years of, of using the gear. And then especially if you, you know, fall and, and the gear saves your life, you, that trust just becomes very strong. That's fair. That's totally fair. What got you started into rock climbing specifically? Really just a, a friend of mine took me at outdoor rock climbing and, you know, I think that certain people just have a really strong drive to climb like an instinct. And I'm definitely one of those people. And it felt just really natural and clicked. And I think any time that you're you something feels like easy to you, then, you know, you gravitate towards it. And uh, I love the way that rock climbing puts you into the landscape in nature um so you know i just basically got uh, became obsessed i have a pretty obsessive personality and rock climbing is notorious for catching people in that way i've heard that before it seems to be true for a lot of people yeah i love that i think it's it's so interesting it's a very different way of training your mind i think is the part that i appreciate most about rock climbing is it's such a mental workout and you were, were you climbing Half Dome? Did I read that correctly? Um, I climbed El Capitan in Yosemite, but I've never done a Half Dome. Whew. How was El Capitan? Was it scary as heck? There were definitely parts of it that were scary. I mean, that level of exposure is, you know, hard to match. But I was just so thrilled to be up there. My favorite part's just like making breakfast up there. You know, I, the climbing is like whatever, but the just hanging out up on the ledge. We spent five days on the wall. Um, oh. And... Yeah, I mean, I'll definitely never forget that. I'd I'd love to go back one day. That's amazing. I hope you do too. So I'm gonna go back to your your first treehouse, your platform that you built high up in the trees. How high up in the trees was your platform? It was 45 feet up, which is a lot. I mean, for somebody that's scared of heights, I'm like, oh, how'd you get this stuff up there <laughs> to begin with? Yeah, and I mean, we we have built treehouses higher than that at this point, but for the most part. By far, most of what we've built have been lower for many reasons, you know, most of like just logistical challenges of, of building that high up. And, you know, the trees that we have around this part of the world aren't all that big and tall. So it's not like we're building in redwoods. Gotcha. I'm curious, too, this might be a weird question, but what do you consider a treehouse? Great question. Um, so in my opinion because this is debated among, among the uh, industry. A treehouse is any structure that is dynamically 
supported by trees. So, you know, sometimes people will build a house on stilts and call it a tree house. And their, you know, kind of pitch is that, you know, it's, it's a house that elevates you up into the height of trees and allows you to experience the canopy, which I don't argue with, but, and, and, you know, I'm not like too much of a purist. We have put stilts um, on tree houses before when, when necessary, but kind of that key element is, you know, trees are um, giant plants They're they're alive and they, they move and they grow. And one of the biggest challenges of building a tree house is dealing with that movement. And we do a lot of, you know, dynamic attachments, attachments that can move with the tree as the wind blows or as it grows. So that's uh that's actually a definition created by Anthony Aiken from Treehouse Club on Instagram. That's amazing. I love it. I like the the difference there because I've seen a few houses before where and I'm by no means a purist. Like I'm, this is not my industry, but I see that. I'm like, can that, is that really a tree house? Like it looks like it's just up level with the trees, but I don't know. I always think that's so fascinating how people will deem something that's even just high in the sky as a tree house. It's, it's quite fascinating. Yeah. When it comes to the tree houses, is there, again, maybe a weird question. I'm a curious person. Is there any damage that's caused to the trees or is it safe? Like how, how does that part work? Sure. So a tree is a vascular being. It has nutrient flow in the in the outer cambium layer. So, you know, the center of a tree is, is essentially just dead wood. Mm-hmm. And the way that we attach is you want to minimize the impact on that vascular layer and mm-hmm. maximize the structural um, integrity of that heartwood of the tree. So there are a number of things that come into play, but ultimately, you know, one really strong bolt that goes into the tree that allows that, you know, that can support the weight of the tree house is fine because trees will seal around that and continue to have their, you know, the, the nutrient flow will continue. Um, what you don't want to do is wrap around the tree because that's basically like, you know, tying a rope around your arm like a tourniquet, like you'll lose the arm, like it'll, it'll cut off the flow and the the tree will die. Um, so it's not, it's obviously not super black and white. There are, there are other ways you can, you can hurt a tree and, 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 and it depends species to species. Some trees are a lot more resilient than others. Um, a lot of times trees are pretty durable above the ground, but fragile below the ground. So we take a lot of precautions to protect the roots, not compact the soil, Um, and, you know, also keep that fungal activity in the forest floor healthy to support the trees. Mm -hmm. I see. Okay. So it makes sense that you would probably have to like do a lot of research into trees. So is this all self-taught? Is it like formally taught? How did you start to learn about tree anatomy? Well, so I, when I built that first tree house, I lived in it for three years and ultimately just developed a lot of passion for tree houses and ideas for tree houses. And just to, to tie it back in a full circle, it was kind of when I was on El Cap, that was one of my big goals for climbing. And I was get, kind of getting to a point where I was like, maybe a little bored or not quite feeling satisfied, which I decided I wanted to take my passion for tree houses to the next level. So um, I ended up 
getting an apprenticeship with an arborist. I knew that if I wanted to be a good treehouse builder, I'd have to learn more about tree health. So I kind of dove into that world. um, And that was, you know, a a few years later started the Canopy Crew, which was part an arborist service in Cincinnati and then part building treehouses. That's incredible. Okay. So what is the Canopy Crew today? Is it, I think most people see it as a beautiful place to go stay at really magical tree houses and domes and like cliff houses. We'll talk about that. That's amazing. So I think most people see that side of the business, but what else do you officially do under that, that branch of the Canopy Crew? No pun intended. Yeah. So, um, (laughs) so we have a a full tree service uh, in Cincinnati, Ohio. So basically we take care of people's trees, you know, and, and urban tree work looks different than, you know, tree work in a forest because essentially you're trying to allow trees to exist around structures. Um, so, you know, keeping pruning trees to make it so they don't hurt the building um, and then, you know, removing dead trees. Um, if we do remove dead trees, we'll mill that wood and then use it to build tree houses down in the gorge. That's so and then, cool. And then we do have obviously that, you know, the fleet of treehouse rentals down in the gorge that, um, we're, we're continuing to build and that's, um, definitely a big, big area of passion. T- talk to us about this. I, I don't know if people have seen it. I'm going to link to your Instagram so they can go check out your, your places, but talk to us about the canopy crew, the place where you can go stay. Like what is the, what was the vision for this and how does it continually evolve? Like where do you, where do you go to get started? And then how do you continually develop the business there? Well, I knew I wanted to build tree houses. I, you know, I just had like a ton of ideas and really just, you know, had a, had a notebook that I wanted to see come to reality of, of sketches. And I didn't, I was not at all like entrepreneurial or, or, or money minded. I really just Mm -hmm. wanted to build these tree houses. And the only way that I could think of to do that was to get other people to pay for them or, you know, find some way to like have them make money so that I could, you know, afford the materials. So we started off by building, you know, for just like kids, tree houses and things in backyards. Um, And then I bought a small piece of land down in the gorge and built the first uh, tree house rental called the Sylvan float. Sylvan means forest in old English. Oh, cool. Um, but, you know, it kind of like was this dance where I when you're building for a, a client, you are very limited in terms of creative freedom, which, <clears throat> you know, is is challenging for a group of folks like us. So the building, the rentals kind of became more and more attractive because we get to do whatever we want. I freaking love it, too. I have not stayed there yet, yet, but I would love to just go hop around and stay in all the trees. That would be my goal. I think it'd be so cool. When you were building that first tree house and the Sylvan Flow, and you're creating this really cool thing, was the initial vision of we have to rent this to people, we have to share this with other people, was that the initial thought or was that kind of an afterthought? Yeah, that was the initial thought. I um, When I had friends come over and stay the night in my tree house, it was always surprising to me how much it kind of like blew their mind or inspired totally. them. And, you know, and that feels good to like inspire someone. So I knew that the, like I I had experienced something that would be satisfying for me to share. So whether that was building for customers or building the rentals and then, you know, having people stay in them, mm-hmm. you know, different people stay in them every night, that seemed like a good avenue for me to to share that. 
So yeah, the the one in the gorge, we kind of set out for it to be a rental. Gotcha. How was the marketing like with that? Did it require a lot of upheaval or did it just totally catch on through social media? Yeah, no, I mean, I just started posting pictures on Instagram and I had, you know, I, there was no marketing for it other than that. It's amazing. It, it, yeah, it went, it, it went pretty viral right off the bat, which was shocking and awesome. And yeah, so I'm, I'm great. Good great business. Yeah, no doubt. I think anytime you can have a business where you don't have to do a ton of marketing and let the product kind of speaks for itself. I think that's yeah. so interesting when it came to that first property. I'm always curious, like logistically. So you have way more than just one tree house. Now you've got plenty on that, that property. How did you structure it? Did you have to like block off time logistically to say, okay, we can't rent the Sylvan float right now. We got to build some more tree houses. How do you logistically think through that part of it? So I've basically bought a small piece of land, built a treehouse, started renting it, used that income to buy another piece of land, build another treehouse, start renting it. So they're all they're all on different properties. Um, they're all close together, but basically just kind of a a trickle effect in that sense. So we you know we can keep keep renting as we build. Mm. Okay, I see. That makes sense. One of my good friends has a hobbit hole that she built in Washington. And that's one of the things that we talk about often is like, do you push pause and then continue building? Or like, how does that logistically work? It's so, it's an interesting, different business problem for sure. Cool. Does she, does she rent it on Airbnb? She does. Yeah. I think I've probably seen her on YouTube or something. Yeah. She's a rock star. She does all kinds of weird, different properties. So it's really fun to to see that too. Um, And then talk to me about the dome. So fun fact, I legitimately, I think I discovered Canopy Crew because I recently purchased a piece of property in Idaho. So I live in Idaho. So I got a little mountain property and I'm putting a geodome up there. So I'm Googling like geodomes and like, how do you heat them and do all this stuff? And I'm sure that's how I came across the canopy crew. So cool. talk to me about your domes. Your domes are so fun. Thank you. Yeah. I, um, you know, I'm kind of, we're, we're kind of always brainstorming different concepts and we've always loved geodesic domes and, they do, you know, they work really well on the ground in terms of, you know, just how they look. I love the way they look when they're like nestled into giant ferns or tall trees. And, but, you know, we do things up in the air. So we were trying to figure out what would be a good way to do a dome tree house. And ultimately that kind of collided with another vision of doing um, a whole lot of suspension bridges and kind of more of like a communal canopy tour feel with the and with you know then little bedroom units where you could you know take bridges and go sleep in the sleep in the domes so that's that's what we call it dome town but it's three bedrooms um that are geodesic domes and then one communal dome and there's like a giant woven net that you can take a bridge to and hang out in it's so you did such a great job with that and that's one of those things where I saw that and was like, oh my gosh, this is incredible. I'm scared to death of heights, so mine's definitely on the ground because <laughs> I don't I don't dare go that high. I'd have to hire people like you. But it's really interesting. And I know a lot of listeners are probably curious about the bathroom sitch. I don't know why this is a thing for people, but they get so weirded out about bathrooms sometimes. So what's the shower, toilet, all of that kind of situation for tree houses? Yeah, so we have a, a basically the full range. So some of them are when you're inside, like you could be in any old house. Like they've got air conditioning, heating, 
tiled showers, flush toilets, the full kitchen, all of that stuff. And then some of them are hike-in, off-grid, where it's a composting toilet and solar energy. So, you know, I wanted to create a range, you know, to, to hit different markets, but also just because I like building the hiking stuff, the off-grid stuff, um, a little more, but, um, the, you know, there's definitely some people who want, like, they're not going to come out unless they've got a, a flush toilet. So you try to accommodate those different groups of people. You mentioned you like building the off-grid stuff more. Why is that? Um, well, it's, if you're not tied down by the logistical realities of running water and electricity, you can build in more remote scenic places. You don't have to worry, like you can, you know, carve out more of the budget for creative stuff rather than just like plumbing and electric. And I think people should go experience a more rustic nature, you know, activity more often than just going out to the woods to like be in a space that might could be anywhere in, in their suburban world. I totally agree with that. I think we could all use a little bit more of that rustic primitive type of experience. I think more than anything, it sparks a little bit more creativity within us. I don't know if you find that for yourself, but I know for me personally, when I experience these like cool, unique, weird places, it kind of allows me to dream and escape from normal life a little bit. Totally. You know, and when I was in that, when I was living in my first tree house, I would just kind of sit up there. I didn't have Wi-Fi or electricity or cell phone service. So I just have like a single candle and just kind of sit up there and listen to the owls and the frogs. And, you know, without lights on, you experience things like 360 degrees of fireflies all around you. And you experience things like flying squirrels coming in and landing right next to you. And so there's, you know, <laughs> if you can like do away with the uh, modern amenities, you get to like just immerse yourself in the canopy and in nature a little bit deeper. When did you eventually make walls up there or was it always just like a platform, like a deck up there? It was always a platform. So oh. as soon as I like laid five deck boards down, I moved up and, uh, <laughs> and then the first year it was just a deck. And then I added, um, a, a tarp roof and a railing and then I added a, a metal roof but I always wanted to be able to just wake up and look immediately outside I never wanted walls to block the view because it had an amazing view and that was kind of the whole point for me was it super cold though yeah but if you live outside you just get used to it it's you know it's kind of a myth that we can't handle the cold okay time out how long does it take <laughs> to get used to the cold I've got to know oh uh, I don't know two or three weeks Oh, that's pretty quick, actually. Yeah, I mean, you. It, it, uh, granted, I had a great sleeping bag and good clothes. I mean, you have to have good gear, but you know, in your sleeping bag, you're plenty warm. And the only the only like really cold time of the day then is putting your clothes on in the morning. Okay, how the heck did you like not fall off of this platform when you're sleeping? Well, it was ten by twelve, and I slept in the middle. Or in the summertime, I slept in the hammock, but. I think your body knows when you can't move at night. Like I, I never rolled off my mattress once. Crazy. I guess that's true. Even for backpacking, I don't really, I mean, I don't find myself in the lake or anything. So right. I guess it doesn't yeah. make sense. Yeah. I mean, if you're someone who like falls off the side of the bed all the time, 
and you have like a big bed, then maybe it'd be concerning, but <laughs> maybe put up a rail. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's so funny. And this was in, was it in Kentucky at the time? Yeah, this is in Kentucky. Got it. Okay. Okay. So you've got, how many properties do you officially have now that you're renting? So we, we have eight rentals. Okay. Eight rentals. And it's all different, unique experiences. Did you find some inspiration? Like when you were creating each of the individual ones, are they themed or just unique? Like how did you, how did you design them? They're, they're not quite themed, but they do have like moods. Mm -hmm. Uh, Like we'll generally start by making a mood board and just, you know, maybe collect like five concepts or themes that go together. Um, and and then kind of run from there the trees do a lot of the decide like the design work themselves just because you have to build or like you know if you walk into the forest and you're like all right these four trees look the right species health age and like they're spaced adequately then you fit the building into those four trees so a lot of the you know after that part a lot of the design comes with the material choice the color textures you know, and, and, or if you are chasing a, a specific theme, then whatever that theme is, um, each one is different and we're definitely, you know, getting to the point where we're like, you know, going to be able push, push our limits a little bit more. And we just have a much like more solid team now. So mm. we have room to be a little more specialized. My wife, Isabella does all the interior design now. So that are what, since she's come on, like that's increased the, the mood a lot. <laughs> Good for her. She does a great job too. Yeah. I love your, your latest project that I've been following along with is the cliff house and legit. One of the best things that I saw is cause you have a ton of stairs to get to the property. I love that you're halfway there, Mark. <laughs> yeah, dude, that was so awesome. I thought it was so <laughs> cool. Talk to us a little bit about the cliff house. Like what, what is it? Help us visualize what you're creating there. So the red river gorge is famous for, it's sandstone cliffs Mm. and I mean, amongst other things, but that's, it's number one. It has a lot of arches and these big overhanging cliffs. It's a huge rock climbing area, huge uh, hiking area. Mm. And so myself and everyone else that goes there, you know, is definitely drawn to the cliffs and they also kind of own the occupancy of like the highest altitude in the area. So you know, to me, it's, there's just an automatic draw to like, want to go higher. Um, so that was one part, you know, I'm just, just drawn to the stone. We all like climbing the rocks. So it's like fun. We already know it's fun to be intimate with the, the cliffs in that way. Um, but I mean, I've always like looked at the rocks and be like, man, you look how you could tuck a house, like right into that little pocket or imagine how like the view from up there, you know, things like that. And, Mm. Um, also up on the cliff, like you're hanging out in the very tippy top of the tree, which is kind of sometimes like the most magical part of a tree, but it's also the hardest to get to. And you're not going to build a house that's heavy, you know, way up in that small wood. So, um, attaching to the cliff is a way to experience the canopy, you know, just a, a little bit different from then down on the trunk. It's like the coolest thing ever. So when you were building that, like, how the heck do you, do you just like 
rappel up and then you, hey, hand me that board? Like, how does, how does that even work? Yeah, I mean, it's it's definitely pretty complicated. We uh, we we have a lot of I mean, you know, we are basically a team of rock climbers. So, you know, the first thing is to to climb up there and, and set anchors to work off of fix ropes to work off of. And then we do a lot of technical rigging. So uh, right now, what that usually looks like is doing a motorized incline zip line where we'll um, prefab materials or walls or anything, and then zip it with an electric motor up to the point where we're working and then lower it into place, attach it and, you know, kind of assemble it like Legos from that point on. That's incredible. Like the most amazing creative way to get materials to <laughs> house. I love that. When it comes to permitting, cause I know you do a lot of consultation. You help other people with their treehouse dreams how do you go about permitting? Is this something that they're like legal structures? Is it something you kind of fly under the radar? Like what, what does that typically look like for tree houses? It all just depends on the area. Building codes and zoning vary from area to area. Some areas are more lax, some are more strict. A lot of times it all has to do with the size of the structure. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I mean, it just, it's totally varies across the board, but at this day and age, you can like, I mean, I, there are, two treehouse specific engineers in the u.s and there are you know architects to work with and so it, it just yeah it all depends on your your local zone that's amazing go to arizona that's my tip no i'm teasing but seriously <laughs> they don't care quite as much <laughs> no, right could you imagine yeah. yeah no that would not be good for a treehouse for for your properties so you've got your properties going you're running the business you're helping people with tree caretaking i'm trying to think of the right word there are you you're consulting with people on the side too is that a portion of your business so if somebody wants to build a dream tree house do you take on projects with other people so we at there you know a few years ago we were doing a lot of custom builds and we were yeah. you know kind of driving around the country and doing these pretty substantial builds and ultimately as a group we you know started to get worn out of of life on the road and so we we decided to kind of shift gears and focus on doing the building our own rentals so we're not doing custom builds anymore but i am still offering consultation services for the time being love that how do they get their hands on consulting with you just shoot me an email (laughs) i i think it's such a great offering i love when people are willing to do that because I know a lot of people are very private with their businesses. They don't want to share how they're doing things. And so I think it's really fun to see that you're offering that to people too. I think that's really awesome. With the with the domes and with your tree houses, when it comes to pricing, when you first got started with all this stuff, were you pricing really low? Were you pricing pretty high? Like how did you even determine like where you should start pricing for rental nights? Well, you know, we started off just by looking at what everything else is renting for. Cause there are a lot of other cabin rentals in the area. Yeah. And I think we started the Selvin float at like one fifty a night or something. And another, so like the varied amenities, I also like want to keep a, a wide range of pricing. So we do have units that rent for a lot more, but you know, we just kind of keep the, the, some of the original ones at a, a lower price range, but ultimately, you know, we, 
we hire a, a management service, Red River Gorgeous, that manages the rentals and they also um, manage the pricing. So, um, yeah, it's 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 basically just market based, um, and we just kind of try to keep a keep the finger on the pulse of like what the area is doing in that way. What's your vision for the Canopy crew in the future? Well, I certainly want to, you know, continue doing what we're doing. We have a lot of, you know, to me, super exciting things that I want to try to build and things that I know people would love. And But I think ultimately just kind of get to a place business-wise where, you know, myself and the and the folks that make up the Canopy crew can be comfortable and and live happy lives and not be not be too stressed out you know just kind of try to find that like happy balance point which we're you know i'd say we're like on the way to finding that yeah it takes time businesses are real tough i think the first five years of any business is always like am we gonna make it (laughs) like what's going on here it's scary as hell yeah and i definitely feel like you know if it's I don't fully understand how we're still here. I mean, I had a, I had, I think I had a lot more determination than I realized, you know, in that, in those first five years. And um, I'm really glad that they're over because I don't know if I could do it again. No, I think there's a lot of, I, I loved how you were initially saying when you're young, it's that like naivety that, that helps you get to that next level. Totally. I think it's so smart in business when you don't know what you don't know. <laughs> yeah, really absolutely. Helpful. That's like, that's the secret ingredient is just, yeah, being kind of like naive and cocky and, totally. you know, you'll you just believe something will be easy, even though there's no reason to believe that it would be easy. For sure. With your business, I'm curious, did you did you go through any growing pains? So I, I know doing your own thing and running your own business is really fun until you have to manage people. Was that something that you ever struggled with? Or is, were you really naturally good at it? How did that work for your business? Yeah. Tons of growing pains. Um, I think I'm pretty, I feel pretty comfortable saying that like any business, the hardest part is the people part. I, I had like, you know, I had a unusually large amount of leadership training growing up. So, I mean, I think I had an advantage, but I was actually totally humbled and, you know, realized like, Oh, I'm not really that good at this as I started to have to, manage people. And it's, you know, it's not just employees, but it's all, you're also managing customers and, and other contractors you're working with. And I'd say that's definitely that part of business for me, like really grabs your heart. Cause like, you can't, you, you lose some money, like, okay, move on, accept it. But like you, you lose like a good person like that. It, it stings, you know, and you, you think about it as you lay in bed at night and, um, or you get somebody really great and you're, you know, it changes the way everyone works together. So it's just, it's just so much more turbulent and human, mm-hmm. you know, we, we are humans and we all live and work together. And it's, you know, it's taught me a, an a amazing amount about just like the reality of, of the human experience and, and kind of just learning that perfection is a myth and, a lot of the ideas that are out there about what like a, a, a well-oiled business looks like are not really real. And, totally. you know, yeah. every, you know, just like any relationship, there are, there are tons of flaws and it's just a work in progress. And you just kind of have to try to like do your best and be a good person. How do you, how do you learn that skill? So I'm not to the point in my business where 
I run an online business, so it's pretty, pretty low key. You know, I've got a couple of contractors and stuff, but I, I admire people that have a huge team because I recognize in myself, I don't think that's a skill I'd be great at. So for somebody like me, how do you, was there like a book you read? Was it just like practice? Like, how do you recommend we get better at leadership? I mean, when I was growing up, I would take like conflict resolution classes in high school. And then I just like, you know, found myself in different scenarios, whether like I did Knowles National Outdoor Leadership School, which I learned a lot from that. But more than anything, just trial by fire, you know, um, it's it's really the only way I I haven't really ever read a book on it, but I I'm sure there are definitely like courses you could sign up for that are good. And at the end of the day, it all comes down to communication. I mean, that's just, everything is based off of communication and, you know, you just have to constantly be asking yourself, like, how could I, like, where might I be lacking and who might I be forgetting about or not thinking enough about? And like, how can I, make sure that I'm talking to everyone and, and giving them the space to talk. And, you know, it's, it's hard. It's especially when you're like just trying to make the numbers work, but it's necessary. I love this. I, I think that your story is so inspirational. I love that you were living on a platform in a tree and just say, this is the dream life and loving <laughs> it. I can only imagine the fireflies surrounding you. That yeah. would be such a cool experience. It was, you should, you should experience it. I want to, but I'm scared of heights, friend. This is the issue I've got. <laughs> well, you can, you can, you know, you can get halfway there by being on the ground in a, in a forest of fireflies. Totally fair. Boy, so in Idaho, we don't have any fireflies at all. And I recently I went to Arkansas and saw my first firefly and about lost my mind. I'm like, this is magical. It's so cool. <laughs> the property that you have currently is it more communal? So give, give me some context there. Like if I go stay in the Sylvan float, do I get to like meet other people? Is it kind of, I'm off in my own little territory? Like how, how does it work from a guest experience perspective? So if you go and stayed in the Sylvan float, you'd be relatively private. Um, you could, you know, we have the observatory treehouse, which is, you know, in the same neck of the woods as that one. So you might be able to hear people talking off in the distance, but you'd be for the most part alone. Versus like Dome Town has three domes that are intentionally more of a community setting. That's so fun, too. I love the idea of that. And I'm always so fascinated with the logistics behind like, I think that guest expectation is so interesting. So is that something that you have very like clear, like, hey, here's what to expect if you go stay here. Here's exactly step by step. Here's your heating. Here's your bathroom sitch. Like, is that something that you really paint that expectation or is it kind of vague, maybe intentionally? No, we try to be pretty clear. I mean, for for both Observatory and Cliff Dweller, we say like, this is like, it's a, it's a physical feat to get to them. <laughs> don't come if you don't want to work out and like bring backpacks instead of suitcases, you know, don't bring a cooler, that kind of thing. Um, and we just try to state like, you know, it's high up, it's intended to be an adventure. Mm. So, I mean, to me, like, that's the kind of thing I'd read and be like, let's do that one. But yeah, we try to like, make sure that people don't get in over their heads if they're not up for the challenge. How many stairs does Cliff House? It's, uh, 238 steps to get to the roof top deck. It's certainly a, a stair mill workout. Yeah. I like it. <laughs> yeah, you gotta, you gotta, you gotta pay for the view. 
You do, man. You really do. I think it it's a really cool experience. And I know for the right people, it will certainly resonate and be something they never forget. I think that's the cool part about everything you're doing is you're creating these really amazing experiences where people can then go home and be like, yo, check out this place I stayed at. Like, that's pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, it works. People do share and, you know, like I'll read the journals of people who stayed in the tree houses and like, you know, it's people go up there for like special events in their life or, um, you know, something to do with a loved one. Okay. So real question, do you actually get to stay at your own properties often, or is it something you have to like really plan for? I do occasionally. Um, I kind of used to more in a way. Um, I like to stay in each one sometimes just so that I can know what it's like and, you know, learn from like, what did we do right? What did we do wrong? But Sometimes life is just busy and you forget to do that kind of thing. It's so true. Any plans to expand outside of Kentucky? No, not at the moment. You know, I know that if I was like a better business person, I could I could definitely expand and we could do a lot more. But I'm pretty, pretty set on having a good life, like a good totally. work life balance. And, uh, you know, I want to. I want to have hobbies too. So I'm, you know, I don't <laughs> let myself get, I have been a workaholic and, you know, I've done the 80 hour a week th- uh, thing and I don't care to go back to that. So I trying to try to be more intentional about setting boundaries and not, not uh, saying yes too much. Smart man. Your wife is probably pretty happy about that too. Yeah. <laughs> Very cool. Well, Jenga, we have covered a ton of ground. I definitely have learned a lot about a little bit more about how you view properties and stuff. I think it's so interesting and fascinating. I appreciate you sharing that for everybody listening in the canopy is where you can go to connect with Django, to learn about the properties, to just get inspired. It's such a cool place. I'm just, I'm so fascinated with everything you're doing. Thank you. We're having fun with it. Yeah, you can tell you actually really can tell. I think that's the piece that's different is you see people that are builders that are doing it for a paycheck and people that have a passion. I think that that passion really comes through, especially on your Instagram. So congrats on that. Thank you. Before we officially part ways, my friend, are you down for some rapid fire questions? Sure. All right. My first question for you is where is one location you're dying to travel to? I'd like to go, I'd like to go to Baja mostly just because I've, I love camping, but camping on the beach in States is a, it's a hard thing to do. So it sounds, it's on my list. I love it. That's awesome. Okay. Next question for you. What's one purchase you recently made that has made your life better? I think I'm pretty excited about my instant pot. Really? You finally got one. Got one. Yeah. Have you used it yet? Oh yeah. Yeah. Oh my gosh. What do you like to make in your instant pot? Oh, chilies and curries and probably the usual things that People make an instant pots, pot roasts, and I just cheesecake. No, I haven't done that. Um, Try it; it's pretty good. But I love, like, I just, you know, you you set it and you go to work and you come back and it's ready. I mean, the best. Yeah, the best. We recently got one too, and I've I've been kind of obsessed with it. Okay, next question for you: Are you okay? Are you more of a morning or evening type of person? Morning. Morning. Okay. What's your current morning routine? Uh, wake up around this time of year. I wake up at like six thirty-seven. Do some stretching. 
drink water, go through my emails, and then I go out and like get the get all the the equipment going, tools organized, crew stuff situated, <clears throat> and all the you know get everybody out working. That's generally it. I like it. All right, last question for you. In your opinion, what is the secret to financial success? Uh, perseverance. Yeah, I think just like the fatal flaw of, <clears throat> I don't know about everyone, but maybe like our generation is just hopping around too much. And, you know, every single job gets bad and not fun at some point. And if you just like, you can put your head down and keep going. Most of the time, I do think that it turns into something better and and more lucrative. I love that. Django, thank you so much for your time. It was so much fun to get to know you and to learn from you. I'm so grateful that you made time for this this interview, this chat. Yeah, no, thank you for reaching out. I had fun. All right. What'd you think? Wasn't that so crazy? I found it so inspiring. And more than anything, it was just living proof of how you can take an idea that maybe seems childish or maybe seems unrealistic and turn this into your career. I think it was really inspiring. And I'd love to hear what your takeaways were as well. Make sure you tag me on Instagram and tag the Canopy crew so that they can see that you are listening in and you're inspired by their work too. And if you are in that area or planning on taking a visit over there, definitely check out their tree houses and try to book it. It's incredible. And I think you'll have a great time. And if you do go stay, send me all the pictures so I can live vicariously until I go there. <laughs> all right, guys, that's it for today. Thank you so much for tuning in. And I will see you next week for another episode of the Money Nerds podcast. Bye. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you, with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.